Okay, guys, for the past several weeks, I have been hyping my new book, Level Jumping, and telling you that it's coming out on June 1st, and a lot of you have reached out and asked for an advanced digital copy so you could take a look at the book, and then really what I'm hoping is that when it goes live, if you like the book, you'll go and get your own physical copy of it and give me an Amazon review. That is so important to new authors, and it's so important to me as a new author to get that feedback and to get that review in Amazon. It really helps out a lot. And again, guys, if you're not aware of the book, it's called Level Jumping, and it is how I took my business from doing just a little bit of business to over a million dollars in gross profits in less than 12 months. And you can too. This is not an exclusively a real estate investing book. As a matter of fact, I don't really talk about real estate investing techniques necessarily. A lot of the stories uh, in the book come from my own experience as a real estate investor, but this is really about how to take your business and grow it from a one-man band, from a solopreneur, from someone who's doing everything and really scaling it up responsibly and understanding what it means to scale a business from a one-man show up to a fully scaled up business. And I did it in less than a year. You can too. And everything in this book is how I did that. So if you want to go grab that advanced copy, the digital copy, you can email me at mike at juststartrealestate.com, subject line book, and I'll get that to you right away. Once the book comes out, I would love it if you'd go purchase a copy and give me a review. And that would be fantastic. So we're going to launch in just a few weeks here. It's, it launches on June 1st. And depending on when you're listening to this, it might have already launched or maybe we still have a little bit of time to go. But June 1st, you can go to Amazon, search for Level Jumping and find it there. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for your support. We're not giving up. We're not going to give up. We're we're still going to scale this thing. And I think that's one thing that everybody needs to realize when they're trying to scale their business is that, you know, you got you got crappy things that come and, and happen. It's life, you know. And when life life's on you, what are you going to do? You know. <laughs> I love that. Well, that's going to go into my rotation of things that I say on a regular basis. <laughs> You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you choosing me uh, during this day. I know there's other things pulling you. A lot of you have kids and wives and husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, work, school, all these things, friends, family, people that want your time, they deserve your time, and I just appreciate you taking a little bit of that day and spending it with me. I know you have other choices, so thank you for that. I don't take it for granted, and I think it's very cool that you're here. Today, I have a great, great show for you. Uh, I'm bringing on someone that I happen to know pretty well. We're good, pretty good friends now, uh, and uh, she's a killer. She's good at what she does, but she's super-duper humble and just great story, great person, and someone I think that a lot of you are really going to resonate with because she's just so normal. Like she's so like you and me and not someone where it's like, well, you know, how would I ever do that? I can't relate to somebody like that. She's a wife. Um, she's a mom. You know, she has all the ups and downs that we all have. And even in the show, you'll hear her talk about um, she got coronavirus back before it was popular, before everyone knew what it was. And, and it kind of knocked her off her feet for a while, but she came back swinging. So uh, today I have on the show, not to delay any longer, uh, Dana Mace, and she's a real estate investor in the Hampton Roads uh, metropolitan area of Virginia. So she's in Virginia doing real estate, and uh, she's born and raised in Hampton Roads area, and she understands that the numerous intangible benefits of living and doing business in a market with some of the largest uh, the military bases in the country. A lot, a lot of military in her area. Uh, good climate, great beach culture, plenty of diversity. Uh, Dana graduated from Brigham Young University with a Bachelor's of Science degree in marriage, family and human development, and a minor in psychology. So she gets how it all works, guys. She understands the human brain. I think that's a huge advantage for her, too. After college, Dana returned to the Hampton Roads area, used her life savings to buy her first real estate investment in 2002, and has not looked back since. Together, she and her husband 
husband, Jesse, have managed over 150 rental properties at one time and are currently building a portfolio of multifamily complexes for better residual cash flow. In 2018, Dana and Jesse also started a new business called Ubiquitous Properties, which is primarily a house rehabbing company made to flip volume and go big. So although she's been flipping houses for nearly 20 years, Ubiquitous Properties was created to do just that, go big. The company accomplished one house flip in 2018, and the next year in 2020, they did 20 flips. The goal for 2020 is 40, is what it says on what she provided me, but during the episode, she said 60, and then at one point, she said 100. So Dana definitely shoots big, and I love that about her. She Her goals are huge and audacious, as well they should be, and I think that's awesome. Dana and her husband, Jesse, have three children who are homeschooled. They have five dogs and a bunny and enjoy the peaceful rural lifestyle on a 16 acres with a comfortable house and 35 plus tree orchards and a huge garden. So they are living that rural life. They have that laid kind of laid back surroundings of their house, but Dana is anything but laid back and you'll hear that in the episode. So without any further ado, I give you Dana Mace. All right, Dana, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate you doing this. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Uh, I'll just full disclosure, uh, Dana and I are friends, I dare say. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're friends. Uh, anyone who makes fun <laughs> of my accent, anyone, yeah, anyone who makes fun of my accent is got to be a friend. Otherwise, because I've, I've never had that happen. So it endeared me to you even more. I already liked you. I fell in love when I when you made fun of my accent because I thought I'm still fascinated by that. I will bring it up every time I see you from now until the day we die because I think it's cool. So. Uh, real estate investor, very smart, uh, successful, and that's exactly why you're here. I want to bring people on that I know specifically. I know their story, which so I'm going to be asking you some things that I already know, but I want the listeners to hear this because I think you have a really cool story, uh, and I know you're legit, like you're you are the real deal. And uh, I just want to share that with people because I think it's inspiring to hear what you've done and specifically uh, what you're doing now because I know you've you've started something new. Uh, recently and it's you're building and trying to grow this thing so we'll get into all that but let's back up a little bit um, when did you start real estate investing and, and more, maybe more importantly why did you start real estate investing how did that all begin so you know the story of how I got into it is is pretty interesting my my dad my stepdad owned one of the largest privately owned real estate companies in the state of Virginia um, all growing up and I knew that real estate was the thing to go into, you know, and, and whenever we would go places, he'd say, if anybody ever wants a tip, tell them to buy real estate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I grew up with that mentality and I, I knew that I wanted to do something cool, you know, with my life and I wanted to do something cool with my money and I wanted to see it grow. And I knew that that was probably the best way to do it. So when I was 21 years old, I went on a mission for our church and I we have to pay for our own missions. So I sold my car and I went to go pay for my mission and my mom said, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm going to pay for my mission." She said, "No, I'm paying for it. I want I want all the blessings." So I said, "All right, fine, you pay for it." So I put my money from my car into a, a CD and by the time I got back after a year and a half, it had matured and I was able to take it out and I invested it in I didn't need a car because when I got home, my mom bought me a car too. So I was blessed in that you know, whole situation. But I took that money and I was able to invest it in my first rental investment property. Um, I asked my stepdad to help me find a property. And of course, you know, being that big into real estate, he had people coming to him with deals all the time. Yeah. And um, he found the best one for me and we got it. And it was all downhill from, I mean, uphill from there, I guess you would say, um, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. What did it get easy or hard after that? I wouldn't say that real estate investing is easy. Yeah. Um, there's a, it's a lot of hard work. There are some really cool, lucky breaks that you hit sometimes and you're like, whoa, that was awesome. Right. Um, there are some very low 
unlucky breaks and yep. you're like, whoa, that wasn't awesome. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's been, you know, I've, I've been, I've been really fortunate to have people surrounding me my whole life that know a lot about real estate. So I've been able to learn and grow in ways that, you know, some people might not be able to getting into it at first. Right. So that's how you, you invested in a rental property. How did that go? How did it go? How is it going? If you still have it, like, do you still have that one or how did that work out for you? So we sold it about two years ago. We, when we first bought it, I was single when I bought it. So I say we, because my husband and I ended up living there when we got married, which was pretty cool. Okay. But I rented it out until I graduated from college and moved home. And when I moved home, I moved into it and then rented out the room that was the extra room that I had. Okay. Um, so it, it was always a moneymaker, no matter whether I was living there or not. Yeah. Then when we got married, we ended up, you know, living there for about three years and then rented it out again once we moved out and bought our own house. Okay. I kept it as a rental until about two years ago, we ended up selling it. We flipped it and it really needed to be flipped. It, it had, I bought it and it, it needed to be flipped when I bought it, which was in like <laughs> 2003 or something like that. So 15 so. years didn't didn't help it necessarily just get better magically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we had a lady living there who took really good care of everything. And, um, you know, it still probably could have sold the way it was, but I just yeah. wanted to flip it. Right. I'm just like flip happy sometimes. So <laughs> that's cool. So you just recently sold that one. So, so once you got that first rent onto your belt, what was the next thing you did in terms of like real estate or, or, or building that, that whole real estate muscle? So, in the pr in, in between all of that from buying that and then selling it two years ago, I also picked up several flips. I, I started a company called Flip LLC um, years ago. Hmm. You know, I flipped a few houses through that. And so by the time it came around to wanting to know what to do with that place, it was a condo and I was done paying condo fees for that place. I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. You know, they just keep yeah. going up and up and up. Yeah. So I got rid of it. And I used that money to, we actually got completely out of debt and we sold our house in Virginia Beach and we bought a house that was in a short sale in Smithfield on 16 acres. And uh, it's gorgeous out there. We love it. But, you know, it's not Virginia Beach, which is where I'm born and raised. I'm a beach bum at heart. Uh, but it's still this greater metropolitan area. And so the values of the homes stay pretty consistent. And what's so good about this area is that we have, I, I know there's more than seven cities in this, in this metropolitan area. The metropolitan area in total has 1.8 million people in it. Wow. So, you know, we've got in, in about close to 100,000 of that is military. Oh, wow. So we've got a constant flow of people coming in yeah. and out. You're, you know, you're never going to be hurting to sell a place. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Very cool. So you, I, I kind of got distracted by your 16 acres because we, my wife and I are looking right now for like 10 or more acres to move to. We're, we're going to put our house up for sale once the whole, we're in Michigan. So we're in the middle, as we're, as we're recording this, we are in a lockdown for the pandemic and uh, <laughs> real estate is non-essential apparently. So, oh, wow. um, but yeah, so we can't really sell our house and, and more importantly than even selling it, like we wanted to do some work to it and we can't do that work because contractors are not allowed to put in like countertops, for example. We want to change our countertops. Whoa. So we're sort of in a standstill. But I think uh, by the end of this month, that'll be done and we can we can do that. So we'll be moving. And I, just before we were jumped on this this call to talk, I was actually on the MLS looking for properties on 10 or more acres. So nice. um, I got distracted <laughs> by that a little bit. Um, do okay, it. Cool, man. So I met you, I'm going to say... And I just happened to look back at when when you started in the seven figure flipping group. I've known you now. So I'm gonna say I want to say three years. I think that's if my memory serves. It's around that around that amount of time. Yeah, I think um, so. And I've seen some cool transformations and definitely some wins for you. And you, you're you're like one of those people that are real secretly super killing it and people don't always realize it because you're not like a chest thumper. Um, you're not someone who necessarily brags about it, but it's like, it's funny. We'll, we'll have like Bill and I will have conversations or Becca or whatever, like some of the people and we'll go, do you guys realize what Dana's doing? Do you, do you know how, how much her business is actually growing and what she's actually doing right now? It's like, 
well, I think so, but what is she doing? It's like <laughs> nobody really right. un- understands totally because you're just like just a ninja and just crushing it and just sort of doing your thing and not making a big deal. But I like catching people like that and exposing them to the light of day because it's really <laughs> fun to hear that. So why don't why don't we talk about and you go back as far as you want and I don't want to I don't want to try to guess, but you tell me when if there was a time in the last, you know, 5 years where you felt like I don't know what I'm going to I don't know what I'm doing or I, I can't scale or I, I'm not having the success I wanted. Like go back to that time. Let's talk about what was going on and then we'll kind of work our way toward present day. Okay. Yeah. So I think that maybe the reason that I don't talk a lot about what I'm doing because I always have these higher expectations for myself. People think say that, oh man, that's awesome what you're doing. And I'm like, oh yeah. I don't really realize it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so probably I would say two years ago was right about the time that I decided to start doing volume, more volume and trying to build this, actually build this company so that it would, you know, produce, I wanted to do 60 flips a year. That's what I've been saying for, for years. This past year I got 20, but one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that I'm also trying to do a multifamily portfolio as well. So two years ago, if you had told me that I was going to flip 20 houses in 2019 and buy two apartment complexes, one 12 unit and one 34 unit, I would have been like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so you ask the question, you know, at what point did I start scaling? Probably about a year ago is when things really started falling into place. And I started it with the postcard campaigns. Um, I picked up a whole bunch of those. Then I discovered that there's already plenty of wholesalers in a 1.8 million person population. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're free. You don't have to market for that. <laughs> yep, yep. So, um, and as far as the scaling goes, there's days still where I'm just like, oh my gosh, like what the heck am I doing? I, I still, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, welcome to the club, I, I know. Exactly. I try to pretend like I know what I'm doing, but it's, you know, I think the key, somebody said in the last meet meetup that we had for the seven figure, they said something like 80% of success is just showing up. And, you know, if, if that is the case, which I believe that is the case, yeah. then the other 20% comes from your hard work and just, it's going to happen. Yep. And your smiling face. Yep. So. <laughs> I totally I totally believe that. And you're right. You you kind of brought up a really good point as far as house flipping and where do you find deals? Like you use postcards and you realize there's wholesalers out there and they are dying to show me what they have for free. I've talked about this a few, few times on my podcast, but my daughter came to me a year ago and said, hey, I want to start flipping houses. Can you help me? First thing I told her was get on every single wholesaler's list that you can, including mine, but not exclusively mine. Like get on everybody's list. And that's where she has found all of her deals so far. I mean, she found some right away just from making offers. And that's the other thing too. Like for those of you out there that are house flippers and they're like, oh, I, I put offers in on wholesaler deals or I see them come through, but the numbers don't work. Like put in an offer, even if it's not what they're asking. If you think it's too low, like just make the offer because I'm a wholesaler and sneaky little, you know, secret behind the curtain secret here is I want to know what you want to offer, even if it's lower than what I'm asking significantly, because oftentimes I've really jacked that price up and I have room (laughs) or I'll go back to the seller. If I have like some feedback where the buyers are, I can always go back to the seller and see if we can renegotiate a little bit. But if I don't get offers, I don't have a clue, you know, and the fact of the matter is if I'm asking hundred thousand dollars for a house and you don't put an offer in, I might've sold it for 85 to somebody who just made the offer. Right. So a little bit of a rant, but that's, that's so true. Uh, As a house flipper, you should be just absolutely all over those lists of wholesalers and you know, that's the way to do it. Yeah. It's definitely a good way. And they're everywhere out here. And I think the reason that I had gone into doing like the postcards initially was because I wanted to build out a wholesale company, but you know, you can't do everything. So very true. So Okay, we went back a little bit and got your where you are, where you've been, but like what are you doing now? I know you you've started a company a few years ago now, maybe a year and a half ago, with your husband called Ubiquitous Properties. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yep, you said it right. From memory, ubiquitous. I know. I because it was an interesting <laughs> name. Even with your accent, you said it right. <laughs> <laughs> I you know what I'd really like, everyone? If you all can make a comment on this podcast and tell me who has the accent, me or Dana. <laughs> Yours is very faint like mine, but it's there. But you just said y'all. 
<laughs> well, that's not an accent. That's more of like a like a regional thing. And I, listen, I've got some Southern in me. I can't always hide it. Who who speaks more like a news anchor on national broadcasts? Me or Dana? No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. Talk, let's talk about ubiquitous properties. What are you trying to do there? And, and more importantly, I, I know you're trying to scale, but how are you doing it? Like, and how is it going for you? And, and right now is a weird time too. So I'd like to touch on that, but just let's get into why you started that company and what the ultimate goal is. Okay, sure. So ubiquitous properties was started so that we could flip volume. We started it. We wanted to have a clean slate from what we had been doing and uh, we were super excited about it. We have uh, doing business as name that we go by up because nobody can say ubiquitous and nobody knows what it means either. So, <laughs> Well, <laughs> so let's we tell people, what does up. ubiquitous mean? Ubiquitous, you want me to tell you or you want people to guess? I want you to tell me. All right, it, it means uh, omnipotent all over everywhere. Okay. So that was kind of the whole idea behind the, the business was to be everywhere. And initially when I was flipping houses, when I first started flipping houses um, as under Flip LLC, I was getting all of my deals from the steps of the courthouse, circuit court. Okay. I would go and do the auctions. Wow. And I've got a list of all of them. I can still do it now, but it's just, it's a lot easier to just get them from wholesalers at this point. But if I ever need something, I know how to do that. And it's, it's awesome. What's a, just out of curiosity for me, what's the size of a deal in Virginia, like in terms of what do you buy it for? And then how, what does it cost to renovate? What do you sell for? Typically, average yeah. property. So we have several different cities in, in this area. Virginia Beach is the median house price there is about 293, 295-ish, somewhere around there. And then we have uh, like cities like Portsmouth, where I think the median house point there is like 160 Okay. 170, something like that. Okay. So it just depends on where you go. Suffolk is another is another city. I think that they're right about where Portsmouth is. Yeah, like we just picked up a house for 300k, and uh, we're putting 70 into it, repairs, and it'll sell for 485. Okay. Nice. Is that a pretty like a base hit for you? Is that a pretty standard deal? For Virginia Beach, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I try to hit like Norfolk cities like Norfolk up a lot more and Chesapeake because we can get houses a lot cheaper there, you yeah. know, and, and do more. Yeah. What, so what is uh in your area? Cause I know like just talking to someone the other day and they were asking me like, what's an average, average profit in a, on a flip in Michigan. And I said a, a real, like down, you know, down the middle base hit $20,000, like pretty normal, you know, it's not yeah. nothing right home about, but it's certainly not a loser. You know, it's, right. it's, it's pretty normal. What does it look like we're in your business? Like what's a normal deal profit margin? I think on average we're looking at about that. We're we're probably more like thirty okay. in this area. Yeah, because yeah. prices are a little bit higher. I mean, the 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 Suffolk I think you said is like one sixty. That's probably an average home price in in the area that I'm in right now. So that's pretty normal. Three hundred thousand for us is getting high end. It's getting a little bit pricey. Like I don't even when we do our marketing, I don't even market to houses that are worth more than two fifty. Oh, I don't wow. even want to. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about them because the the buying pool gets so small at that point. So if we can buy a house in Michigan, buy it for anywhere between fifty and a hundred, with a sale price of anywhere from you know one seventy five to two twenty five, that's pretty good for us. Cool. Yeah, it's all day. I think yeah. we go for more of the two hundred to two fifty price range as far as when we buy them. We you know that's about where we. But our ARVs typically are around like. 300, 350, which is, you know, it's pretty good because you're not, once you start getting over like that closer to that 500 range, like this one that I just told you about, yeah. you start getting, you have to have buyers that have jumbo loans mm -hmm. and, and that's harder to find. So I don't like to have those very often. I like to go lower too. Yeah, totally. Especially if you're going for volume, right? Like if you're trying to hit one out of the park, maybe it's, maybe it makes sense. But yeah, I think when you're trying to go for a volume, plus like you said, this, the reality is the economics of it, of you can just buy more, it's just easier to buy more if they're not super expensive for you. When it comes to buying from wholesalers, let's talk about that for a minute. How did you find the wholesalers whose lists you're on? What was the, when you decided you were going to go and, and get all the wholesalers on your list or on their list, what did you do to do that? How did you gather all those, that intel? Mm, that's a good question because I did a lot of different things. Well, put it this way. Let me let me phrase it this way. If you were going to start over and do it, what would you do? How would you find them? 
Okay. So real estate agents have brought me wholesalers, um, really? making friends with real estate agents. Um, going to RIA meetings. I've met a lot of people through those RIA meetings that wholesale. Um, I've also had people call me off of my, uh, I know you said we were going to talk about this later, but my YouTube channel, like people have actually watched that and then called me and said, Hey, I've got some wholesale properties for no you kidding. if you're interested. No kidding. Yeah. And then another way, I think this is probably the, the way that I found the most. Well, the RIA meetings were the, the number one way that I found the most. Okay. The second way that I found the most was um, through my title insurance company. Really? Title insurance companies, they're dealing with all of these wholesalers. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And so they, you know, they just hooked me up. Yeah. Okay. And uh, let, let's see what else. There's other ways that I did. I know. Oh, and then you just, I know I got on people's lists through Facebook, Facebook marketplace. People were, they were showing houses on Facebook marketplace that they were trying to sell and they were wholesalers. And I, I got in touch with them and they were like, yeah, get on our list. So I got on their list nice. that way. Very cool. When you, this is maybe an easy question or maybe a low level question, but I, there's people who still genuinely ask this question and really want to know. When you see a deal from a wholesaler, how do you evaluate it? What are the tools? What's your formula for evaluating getting ARVs and what you're going to offer? Well, I typically just go by the 75% rule. Okay. And, which uh, is, and then I'll, let's say this, yeah. let's say what that is. And then, you know, I've been, I've just been doing it long enough that I know about what the repairs are going to be. You know, it's, probably going to have this. It's probably going to need that. And I just go through, I do like a little scope of work mm -hmm. and then I just kind of calculate it like that. But I have a friend who is willing, he's a inspector, a home inspector, and he's willing to go out with me on every single, you know, wholesale property that I look at, which is nice too, because really? then I can get a, a better, closer, you know, scope of work. So let, let's tell people who don't know, what is the 75% rule? What does that mean? Okay. So you want to take <laughs> you put me on the spot here. Sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> let me help you. Tell me if this is right. ARV, yeah. after repair value, my, uh, minus or times 75% minus repair. Times 75. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yep. So you just, take, yeah, you just take 75% of the after repair value and minus out your repairs and that's your, that's your, that's your offer. Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure because some people, you know, and honestly, this like when I started this podcast, I really did start it so that people could get questions that they felt like were kind of easy and maybe felt dumb asking people. And that was one of them that threw me. When I when I first started, people would say, at the time, they would say the 70% rule. And I'd go, I, I don't know what that means, but obviously everyone else in this room knows what that means. I'm not going to ask what that <laughs> means, but I was like, doggone it. If I just knew what that meant, it would help a lot of this conversation go smoother. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So- you started that you started ubiquitous properties to scale up. What are you you flipped in the past? So what I'm kind of interested in and kind of curious about is what is different about this venture? Like what are you doing to scale? Like what does that mean exactly? Okay. How how okay, are yeah, we we'll going go back about to this? that? Because I remember you asked that and I kind of went around it. So what does it mean to scale for us? It it means to me, it means volume. I want mm -hmm. to flip, you know, I want to get up to like a hundred flips a year. Okay. You said and 60 earlier. So you're already like, you're raising your bar as we talk. I right. Think. <laughs> <laughs> well, my goal last year was 60 and I hit 20. Gotcha. So, you know, that's, that's not bad. I, I do set my bar really high though. And then I, you just can't be upset when you don't hit it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. So look, what that looks like to me scaling is creating a company that is self-sufficient, that can run itself, that can you know, I'm, I'm bringing in an acquisitions manager to go out on all the appointments if we have them. I have a project manager for all of my rehabs. You know, I've just got a team. I'm building my team. I have yeah. an agent who um, is mainly on our side. I'm trying to, to get her to do something in-house with us right now, which would be awesome. But, uh, you know, so I'm working towards just building that team okay. so that once we hit whatever goal we really are shooting for, which I don't really know. I, you know, today it's 60, <laughs> tomorrow's a hundred. <laughs> um, it might be 20, who knows? But what my, what my main goal is, is I want a company that, that runs itself self-sufficient yeah, and that we can turn around and use the money towards buying. This is just my goal. This doesn't mean that this has to be everybody sure. else's, but our goal is to use it towards buying multifamily so that we can have residual income and a better cash flow. Gotcha. Okay. So 
what do you do in your business today? What Because you said you hired acquisitions and you have like a project manager. What is it that you are responsible for still that you haven't delegated or hired out? So we were doing super awesome. We had we were like rock star material, like right before 2020. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we hit a rock wall. My business partner that I had in the company, um, we had a 7% business partner. We had to get rid of him. He got out of the company and he's doing his, he's on his own right now. He's doing great. Um, but we just had to move on. So we lost him. We were doing our weekly meetings. We were running the whole traction thing. We were mm-hmm. doing great. And I had uh, an assistant. I had a dispositions. I had an acquisitions. Uh, I was really on, you know, on target to make this a wholesaling company and a rehab company. You okay. know, and that's kind of still my goal. But in January, I lost my that one business partner. Then we lost our dispo. Then we lost our assistant. Okay. And um, and then I got sick. I'm pretty sure I had the Rona. Okay. And uh, I, it was in January. And mid-January, I had a fever for five days. I started with a sore throat, had a fever for five days, couldn't breathe, was in bed for two weeks. Oh, that's coronavirus, like 101. Oh my gosh. It was horrible. And it broke out through my kids. My wow. husband never got it. I think he was the carrier. He's a firefighter. Oh, he's, so Yeah, he's probably patient zero. He's the monkey who gave it to everyone. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> so um, after that happened, it's just, I didn't have energy. I didn't have, my spirits were down, you know, and um, what I had taken a year and a half to build just crashed. And here I was and I'm just like, okay. So now I'm back to square one. I've got my, my acquisitions still. He is amazing. He does a great job. Good. We're not giving up. We're not going to give up. We're, we're still going to scale this thing. And I think that's one thing that everybody needs to realize when they're trying to scale their business is that, you know, you got, you got crappy things that come and, and happen. It's life, you know, and when life life's on you, <laughs> what are you going to do? I love that. Well, that's going to go into my rotation of things that I say on a regular basis. (laughs) Life is lifing all over me today. Oh, gosh, Um, I know. You know what, though? That's why I love you, Dana. In all seriousness, I love, 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 love. And I'm ultra, super, hyper attracted to people who say, I did this, like this happened. I was down in the dumps. Everything crashed around me, but I'm not giving up. I'm just going to, I'm going to go back at it and I'm I'm not going to fail. I've said recently to people, just talk about this coronavirus thing. I've said to me, like life is is a game of chess. And you say life, life's on you. I say life makes its move, right? And and you just have to look at it. And then sometimes it feels like check, you know, like it's a really good move. And yeah. it's not checkmate. It's it's never checkmate until you give up. It's, it's just check. So you have to move out of that and, and it's your move. So when that happened to you, it's like life went, okay, there you go. Now what? And you can curl up in a ball and quit and forget it. Or you can go, okay, nice move life. But I've got <laughs> I've got some time here. You know, the, the hour clock got turned over and now I'm on the clock. So anyways, I, I love that attitude. It's awesome. Um, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And, I, you know, just to, to keep going with that, you know, I, I, I'm still crawling out of that pit right now. We bit off a little bit more than we could chew as far as buying two apartment complexes in one year. It's awesome, by the way. <laughs> I mean, it's not like anything bad. It's yeah. just that it's it, we had, you know, our money went somewhere else right now. Yep. And um, so uh, what we decided to do was we decided, my project manager and I, we decided that we were going to do a seven-day flip with one of our places. And, um, because what else do you do when you're in the pits? Right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you try to do flip. something. Absolutely. That sounds ludicrous to most people, <laughs> but we, we know it can be done, right? We, right? We've seen this happen with our own eyes. So I did yeah. hear about this and I'm curious, have you, have you done that? Is it done? Yeah, it's done. It's on the market or it's already under contract. It was under contract before it even hit the MLS. Did you hit and the seven just, days? Yeah, we hit seven. We, we could have done it in six days. Look but- at you. We didn't. We, we were like, yeah, we'll just do seven. All right. So I so I, I've had Tyler on the show, and he he's kind of broke that ground with a seven day flip. How many? If you had to estimate, because I want to make sure that people understand somewhat how this works. How much time? How many days or weeks? I guess did you put into the planning of the seven day flip? You know what I mean? Like, how long does it take to get ready for something like that? So we we took about 
a week. Okay. And uh, I was I was giving my project manager two weeks if he needed it because you don't know you can't you get your Gantt chart in place you know which is like you have the little lines of like when what day you're starting and it kind of like flows so that yep. you can see who's going to be overlapping and everything and you get that in place and then you start calling these these contractors because you've got your perfect plan in place right <laughs> yep and so you start calling your contractors it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to be there at your perfect plan yeah right? yep so some things have to be moved around you might have to tweak things um and and it's it's like going back to what we says life and um and so we took a week and i was shocked with my project manager his name's adam by the way so i don't have to keep saying that adam mm -hmm. i was shocked with adam's the whole process he just did so amazing and i was just really proud it was awesome so what's interesting to me is Correct me if I'm wrong. You came up with your plan and then you started calling contractors that you had worked with before or contractors that you had not worked with before? We called contractors that we had worked with before on this one. Okay. I was going to say that would be real tricky if you added in the wrinkle of, I've never worked with this guy before or this girl. Right. <laughs> so were they all like understanding what you're trying, like, hey guys, we're trying to do this in seven days. So don't tell me like on any given day, like I'll come back in three days and finish it? Like, did they all know that they were like on the clock or did you not put that pressure on them? Yeah, we put the pressure on them. Okay. And uh, one of them was very, very melancholy about it and he just didn't care. And that was <laughs> really why a we contractor. I'm flat. I'm, I'm floored. <laughs> I'm floored. Hey, he showed up. That's yeah. all he cared about. You know, like he was there, <laughs> but uh, he moved so slow and, um, and then he would leave really early. So he did a, you know, he got it done and he, we did it in seven days. That's awesome. Like that's, that's why. So we could have done it in six, but. You had melancholy on the job. Hey, right. you know. Hey, he did it. He did it. <laughs> cool. So you did that. You did 20 deals last year. Let's talk about this year for a minute. I know your goal was 60 or is, or maybe even a hundred, depending on what <laughs> minute I'm asking you the question. Um, right. But with the whole Corona crap, like what, what does that mean? Is it, is it derailing you guys at all? Or is it like, Hey, we're full steam ahead or how's this affecting you? So in our state, it is essential. And so we continue to work. I wouldn't say it's derailing. I would say it's deflating. Okay. And you know, it, it is, it's it, some days you wake up and you're like, Oh, because even though ours is essential, you know, you still have a lot of people out here who are like our government, our governor is letting people go back to work. Certain people go back to work already, but they won't go back because they're actually making more money drawing unemployment oh. than they would if they were working. And wow. so, you know, it, it's, I think we're, we're looking at some very, very different uncharted territory that we've never been in before. So has this affected you know? your contractors too? Like, is that a thing? Like they're not wanting to come and work or who is it that's affecting you most? Um, well, that was with like my dentist that I was talking about, but <laughs> <laughs> your dentist. Oh yeah. You're yeah. kidding me. A dentist makes more on unemployment than he would they're, in his they're practice. Staff. They're staff. Oh, they're staff. Okay. And that's the problem. Like I'm sitting in my mom's, um, gym right now. I'm in her office right now and she has a gym in here and it had to shut down obviously, but now they're allowed to open back up next week, according to our governor. And none of the staff wants to come back because they're all drawing unemployment. Wow. And they're making more money doing that than they would if they were here. Holy cow. This is, I, yeah. I've not heard this one before. I'm sure it's happening everywhere, but just never really thought about it. Um, yeah. Wow. So we've got that issue with, as far as the contractors go, the only issue that we're running into is that the Home Depot and Lowe's, they're not open. They're, they've got crazy hours. They're mm. open like, you know, shorter times during the day. And then you have to go and wait in line. So things are taking longer yeah. to get in and, yeah. you know, but that's about it. Like all of the courthouses are closed down, but they've made it accessible through as far as closings go um, with, you know, e yeah. recordings and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Same here. Same here. That's interesting. So are you still like, optimistic, like you're not changing your goal or are you modifying things at this point? Or are you just saying, Hey, I've got six months. I'll just crush it. Yeah. I'm just going to keep it what it is and see what we do. Okay. I mean, like I said, it's not going to kill me if it's not going to hurt my feelings if we don't hit that number, right? whatever it happens to be that day. Right. Um, but you know, but the reason that I was telling you about the seven day flip was because 
that was so huge for the for our company for scaling purposes because I saw okay I really saw what it's going to take to do that many flips in one year yeah and and how this is how we have to plan every single one of these out just like this because if we don't we're not going to hit that goal mm-hmm. and so that's what it looks like to scale for me you know planning okay. yep and being more on top of the ball and getting the right people in the right places at the right times yeah I, that makes total sense yeah, that seven-day flip thing is incredible to me. I, I do some flipping. I'm mostly a wholesaler, which you know. And we do some flips, and I flipped for six years, but I certainly never did anything in seven days. That was never my – I shouldn't say it's never was my goal. I don't think I could have done it back then. But uh, I have I have some flips going on now, and the pandemic's hurting us a little bit. In Michigan, it's pretty restrictive. We can't buy certain materials at Lowe's and, and Home Depot, and, and it's non-essential. So it makes it a little tricky. But even under optimal conditions – it's, you know, contractors are tough. I'm the most amazing thing to me about a seven day flip. And I think the reason why it's so amazing is most people have struggled with contractors and it's just hard to imagine that you're going to get plumbers, electricians, you know, roofers, painters, and flooring people all into a house within seven days and get in and out. Like that, it seems like an impossible task, but it does. And it's amazing to sit there and watch it happen. It's like, whoa, it just, you know, falls into place. Do you you sit there all day long? Or is somebody there, your project manager, all day long, like monitoring things? Yeah. 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 My yeah. project manager was there. I was there. I was recording everything because I wanted to document it all. Yeah. Now I have all this footage and I suck at editing, so I got to find somebody. <laughs> well, le- okay. So that's a great segue. Let's talk. I assume this is going to end up or has end up, ended up on your, your YouTube page. Why did you start the YouTube channel? And tell me a little bit about that. Okay, so I started my the YouTube channel because I wanted to I, th- I think the best the best way to scale something and to learn faster is by talking about it. Yeah. Talking, talking, talking and doing research. And so that's what the YouTube channel is. I really wanted the YouTube channel to be more of like uh, uh, before and after type stuff. But the videographer that I hired for it, which was a friend of mine, he was like, people want content. So give them content. And so that's what I started doing. I just started giving people content, just, you know, little bits and pieces here and there. So it's, it's basically like a YouTube channel full of a podcast with just me. Okay. <laughs> I'm down with that. What's it called, by the way? What's the channel called? It's called Dana Mace. And that's it. It's just Dana Mace. And it's, there, there is another Dana Mace out there. So when you look, it's, you'll see that it's got tons of videos on it. It's got like over 100 subscribers right now. Okay. So. Awesome. Nice. When did you start it? How long ago? Uh, about six months ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes so people can find it. If you're driving, don't don't try to write it while you're driving. We'll put it in the show notes. That's awesome. So that's a cool, that's a fun project. I love those kind of outlets. I've actually keep telling myself I want to start a YouTube channel, but then I realize also I've got to start saying no to things once in a while because I'm just, I'm all over the place right now with stuff going on. But I think that's awesome. I'm going to check it out. I have become a YouTube junkie though in the last six months. Like I am all about it at night when I'm just unwinding by myself. I I'm watching YouTube stuff. Awesome. And learning, yeah, me so. too. In bed, I'm just like, yeah, this it's it's a veg, it's the veg mode. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Especially when I've had a day where life has lifed on me and I just want to relax. I love there that. <laughs> my my friends and family are gonna get so sick of that because I love that one. It's so great. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Well, listen, I, I I will not take up the rest of your day. I appreciate you doing this very much. Is there anything else that you want to say or tell anybody? or anything they should be paying attention to as far as you? One thing that I that I do know is, you know those personality tests? What's that one called? The, the I use this one. The DISC, the Colby, Culture Index, which one? The, yeah, the Culture Index. Culture so index, that's okay. the one we use yep. for hiring. And um, I, I thought it was hilarious because like mine came out as an individualist. I'm an individualist. Okay. Which, you know, it, it says it all just in the name really. But what one of the things that I don't care about are details. Mm-hmm. Like I care about them, but I don't know how to like yeah. give them back to people. Yeah. And um, in a, in a way, like my brain is going a mile a minute and I, I can't do it. I can't do details. Yeah. So, you know, that's the one thing that I would say, if you're trying to like scale a business or you're trying to do, get into this or, or, you know, build a team is to find the people that are good at things that you're not. Totally. Yeah, you know, I could not uh, agree more with that. 
yeah and i that's that's if if i had to leave you guys with one thing that's probably what i'd leave you with just because you know i'm 40 years old and i just figured that out so <laughs> well it took me until i was about 48 so you're lucky yeah i think if i had to if somebody like forced me to tell them the number one thing that has made the biggest difference in my business in the last decade it was exactly that getting out of my own way, realizing what I wasn't good at, quit lying to myself about it and hire or bring someone in who could handle that for me. So that's huge. I'm, I'm the same as you in the culture index. This might be boring for people who don't know a culture index. Culture index is a, basically a personality assessment, high level, very, you know, as accurate as it can get. And um, my profile is called a daredevil, which sounds exciting, but a daredevil essentially is uh, the lowest or one of you know like the, there's just no detail at all none zero like I, I literally have a zero on the scale of detail it's terrible and I'm with you I I appreciate detail I know it's important I just can't do it I can't manage it and if someone relies on me for details they will always be disappointed 100% of the time because I'm just yep. not that guy so I need people in my life too um, who can help me maintain and manage the details or I'll I'll drown in them so yeah, I know that about cool. myself, but knowing that and just understanding, you don't have to take the culture index, but any, any of those, those assessments and just like you said, figure out who you are, what you're good at, what you're not and, and stop lying to yourself and being a bottleneck in your own company. If that's what you're doing and hire someone and bring someone in or delegate that, that, that responsibility to somebody. So awesome. I'm going to check out uh, Dana Mace on YouTube. I'm seriously going to go right after this because awesome. I want to check it out and see it. I'm way into it. So I'll definitely be a subscriber. If you want, guys want to check it out at what Dana's up to on there, go to uh, Dana Dana Mace on YouTube. Uh, Dana, it's been awesome having you on. You're a good friend. You're very cool and inspirational, and I love what you're up to. And more than that, I, I way love your attitude about it. Like You have one of the best attitudes of anybody I know when it comes to this stuff. So keep it up. Thanks. Thanks. Awesome. It's fun being on here. All right. Thanks a lot. Right. We'll talk to you have, soon. Have a good one. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview I did with Dana. I love Dana. She's awesome. Such a fun person to know and to be around. She is uh, as humble a person as she is aggressive in business and has that never give up, never say die attitude that I think is so cool. And uh, it is exactly why she is as successful as she is. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that and got something out of it. I think Dana's a, a super inspirational person. That's why I want her on the show, specifically reached out to her and said, hey, I need to talk to you because number one, I, I am friends with her and I see her on a fairly regular basis about every three or four months. But I never really exactly know what she has going on because she's so humble about it. She doesn't, you know, like I said in the interview, she doesn't, you know, beat her chest and brag about it. She's real quietly just crushing it. So I wanted to bring her on and share that with all of you. And hopefully you enjoyed uh, uh, hearing that and, and getting a chance to get to know Dana better. Go check out her YouTube channel, Dana Mace. I think that's cool. I'm going to go look at it, like I said, as soon as I'm done here. And uh, I'm going to check it out myself. But guys, as always, uh, you know what's coming if you don't get out there and get going, you never know what you can accomplish. You're never going to build that business unless you get out there and just start. So get out there and just start. Go crush it. Make today a great one. And I'll see you next time. Okay, good. You're still here. You know, if you hang around long enough on my podcast and listen all the way to the end, sometimes I share things with you that you just won't hear anywhere else. So I want to talk to you about the seven figure flipping vault. Guys, this is a video library filled with everything you need to know about building a house flipping or wholesaling business. And if you already have a house flipping and wholesaling business and you think you don't need what's in this vault, let me tell you, think again. I'm going to read you some of the titles of the videos that you get inside this vault how to set your goals, right? Goal setting and planning, how to measure your results, how to find motivated sellers in your market. Are you kidding me? That's like probably the number one thing I get asked by all real estate investors. How do I find motivated sellers? We have a video that covers that from A to Z. How to pick a market, how to know if your market that you're in is a good market for you to be in. Is it good for you as a wholesaler? Is it good for you as a flipper? There are ways, there are things that you can do to find out if you're in the right market. How to set up a phone system to track calls and manage leads. Uh, what kind of CRM should you be using? Uh, when you talk to the homeowner, when you're meeting with sellers, getting that contract signed, how do you do that? What contracts and forms do you need? Do you need the contracts and forms? 
Well, they're in there. They're available to you. So that's a lot of the flipping stuff with wholesalers, uh, finding those cash buyers. How are you finding buyers that are going to buy the deals that you're finding when you're in the home talking to the seller? 16 hacks to build and grow your buyers list. How to pick a good market. Again, just like a house flipper, you need to know if you're in a good market as a, as a wholesaler. And the videos inside of this vault are going to give you everything. Deal analysis, finding the ARV, um, as is value and using the tools that it takes to dial those numbers in just right. Estimating the repair of, uh, or the cost of repairs when you're doing a flip, right? How do you estimate those things? How do you know? And then on top of that, when you buy this vault, when you get in there, you get a whole series on marketing, how to use list source to pull motivated seller lists, how to skip trace the information if you need to skip trace it and get phone numbers and things like that how to find deals without spending money, free strategies to find motivated sellers. And then there's another video, nine low cost leads, nine low cost lead source generators. And then bandit signs, uh, we talk about a little bit, if that's something that works, driving for dollars, ringless voicemail, cold calling. I mean, the list goes on and on of all the ways that we show you how to market and get great deals. And if that's not enough, there's another whole series that comes with this as well about sales and negotiation. Probably the number one difficulty that people have in their business is sales and negotiation. And we walk through it in a multi-series of videos exactly how to negotiate with sellers, exactly how to negotiate with buyers. What's it look like behind the scenes of a sales meeting with our team? What do we what do we tell our salespeople when they're going out on the road to, to get those deals? Like what does that behind the scenes conversation look like? You're gonna see all of that. Guys, there are so many videos that cover every aspect of real estate investing from a wholesaler and a flipper's perspective. If I had these videos, I could have shortcut years and years off of my success track. And I've been able to be very successful, but I guarantee I wasted four or five years just trying to figure it out. You don't have to figure it out anymore. There are solutions out there, and this is one. How do you find me might be asking? Great question. If you go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault, that's juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. It'll take you right to it. You can check out the videos. You can see what's all offered there. Guys, this is a tremendous opportunity for you to really turbocharge your business. And we're in kind of a tough time right now for real estate. House prices are, are kind of high all over the place. We have the coronavirus. It's harder and harder to get things done. You need something to help you get over this hump. And this is it, in my opinion. So go check it out. Juststartrealestate.com forward slash vault. You'll be glad you did.